And we have Travis sharing with us today. Travis, you want to come on up? All right, let's pray for this, this guy. Father, we just thank you so much for Travis. We thank you so much what you want to speak through him this morning. And Lord, we just open our hearts to whatever you want to speak to us through Travis. We bless Travis. We thank you so much for him. We thank you, Father, for your peace and your clarity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Paul. How's everybody? Wasn't that amazing this morning? It was amazing to me. I'd be, I said, wasn't that amazing this morning? That was amazing. Man, I just want to glory. I just want to thank him. I just want to thank the Lord a minute. He don't have to come. He don't have to. He's, but man, isn't it wonderful when the presence of the Lord shows up? Golly, it changes everything. That's what we're seeking. We're seeking his presence. If we're in it for anything else, we're, why? <laughs> I mean, there is nothing like the presence of God. If you've never experienced the presence of God that makes your inside melt, you're missing out. And the Holy Spirit wants to help us. He, he loves melting us. The scripture says the mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. All of our high places in our hearts, they just get melted down in His presence. Scripture says to humble yourself in the presence of the Lord. The, the pride that we have and all the things that we hold on to, they melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. You want to humble yourself? You can't do that. But you can, not really, I mean, we can try, we can ask for help, but you can get in His presence. It'll mess you up. In a good way. Um, what I'm going to share today may be different for some people, and it may even be uncomfortable for some people. Oh, well. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry, not sorry, because um, it's God. And I'm, I want to always be in line with His agenda, no matter what man thinks about it. God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He just does. And he's not interested in strength. He's not interested in um, dignity in the way that we like it. He's not interested in um, always looking good, us looking good, you know. And... So I want to talk to you about something that I believe is on God's heart. I know it for a fact, but I will present it to you and let you guys pray about it. Um, if I lose it a little bit, I apologize. It's been going on with me all year, but, but this morning has been incredibly... Uh, um, tearful. Uh, I don't want to say it any other way. Um, in the, um, the book of Zechariah, Zechariah 4, 6, the angel gives um, a message, and he says something that I, th that I want to start this off with, because I, when we understand this, um, it'll help us a lot. 
And it's something that people quote all the time. But it's so true, and it's something I'm going to say. You've all heard this verse. But I just want it to sit in and just kind of let it sit on you a minute. It says, Zechariah 4, 6, and it's the back, the, the last part I'm going to reference. It says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. God is in the, is moving right now on his body. And he is moving in such a way to cut away every strength that we think we have. He's not interested in our might. He's not interested in our power. He's only interested in His Spirit moving through us. Without the Spirit, we have nothing. If a denomination decides they don't want to allow the Holy Spirit in, they've just lost everything that God wants to do because the Holy Spirit is the working agent of God in the earth today. Jesus said, it's better that I go away, because if I go away, I will send the Comforter. And when He comes, the Holy Spirit is who we desperately need in this hour. He told the, he told the disciples to stay in Jerusalem, stay there, do not leave that place until the Spirit comes. And you're going to be clothed with power from on high. And I'm telling you today, this, this, what the Scripture says is that God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. He hadn't changed His mind about what He did in the book of Acts. He hadn't changed His mind. Matter of fact, if anything, He promised us He saved His best wine for last. So what He's going to do in the end age is going to far outshine what He did in the book of Acts. Because He saves His best wine for last. And I want to talk a little bit about the the outpouring of the Spirit for the sake of the harvest and what God is going to do on us and, and give us an invitation to invite the Holy Spirit in a special way into our lives to allow um, the connection of prayer and, and harvest time, reaping souls. Um, the Lord's birthing something on His heart, and He will use us. But it's the Spirit of God that's birthing it. It's not us. It's not something you can make up. It's not something you can try real hard to do. It's the Spirit of God that is moving on His people to pray and intercede and to birth something in this realm through the Holy Spirit that, that you, can't, you can't strain it out. You can't, I want God to come and move. You can't do that. But the Spirit can move on us and release something into the earth. We know that God's will is only accomplished in the earth to the degree that men and women are sitting there praying and saying, Father, not, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's men that release Open, you know, what does the scripture say in Psalms? It says, lift up your head, O, o ye gates, that the Lord of glory may come in. We are the gates that God uses to open and shut to release the things of the Spirit. So when we're not willing to participate with Him, He has to go find another man or woman that's, that's to, to be used to release His will in the earth. God's will does not automatically happen. It doesn't. 
We know that. That's why the, the Psalms 115.16 says, The heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth He has given to the sons of men. He gave authority over the earth to Adam. And God wants to use us to release His will in the earth and to see a end-time event of His glory being poured out to such a degree that, as He told Moses, my glory will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. Think about that a minute. That's what God told Moses. He said, my glory will fill the earth as the waters covers the sea. How much water is in the sea? There's parts of this ocean that we haven't even been able to get to because the depths are so deep. No, no, nothing we can make can go down that far. Well, that's how deep God's glory is going to get poured out on the earth. He's going to do things, and I'm going to prove this with Scripture. He's going to do things in this last time that's going to blow our minds away. Um, if you want to see a book of Acts, you're going to see a book of Acts on steroids. It's going to be like nothing we have ever seen. It's going to blow the book of Acts away. The books of Acts is what started the age. But the, what do you think Jesus is going to do to end the age? What do you think God's going to do to end the age? I mean, isn't God the most amazing being in the universe? Is he really going to be outdone? Is he not a showman? Is he not a showman? Does he not do things that, does he not love to blow our mind? Didn't Paul write that he's, he wants to do beyond that which we can ask or think? Think about that. What can you think about? I have a pretty good imagination. I can imagine, and I do imagine God doing things. I have, I have fantasies in my mind of seeing the people that don't even have eyes in their head formed and them seeing. I have images in my mind of people that can't, don't have legs and they're growing out. I can imagine a lot. God says He's going to do beyond what we could ever ask or think. He's setting the standard real high. And if you think you got to make that happen, then you're going to feel all, you know, insecure and sweating. And, and God doesn't want that because you can't make this happen. But I'm going to show you how it's going to happen. I believe I do have something from the Lord today. Um, now, if you turn over to Acts 2, in Acts 2, we have where the Spirit was poured out on the early church, and they began to pray in tongues as the, as the fire of tongues fell on them. And I've said this a couple weeks running, and I'll say it again, if you don't like tongues, that's your problem, because God likes them. That's how he opened the book of Acts. He, the Bible, this thing that we that believers believe, he opened the, the, the church age with tongues. And every time you see someone baptized in the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, there's two things that you can see tagged with it. You either see him prophesying or you see him praying in tongues. And it's usually both. Just saying, that's what the book of Acts shows us. Paul said, I pray in tongues more than all of you. 
This is what the Bible says. If you're offended by it, I'm just going to suggest to you that does your opinion have a higher weight than God's? I think a lot of us in churches, there's churches that value their opinion and their dignity, really. That's in my mind. I mean, I may be wrong about that. Um, but their dignity is more valuable than allowing God to do things that's very undignified. Seeing someone pray in tongues is so weird. I mean, it is. I acknowledge it. If, you, if you're praying in tongues, you look like an idiot. This, it's so much to the point that in the book of Acts, it says in, uh, let's see, verse 13, but others were mocking and saying they are f- they're full of sweet wine. They're drunk. They're idiots. What are they doing? They're a bunch of drunk people. And Peter had to say up, taking his stand, and he raised his voice and said, Men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words, for these men are not drunk. You know how stupid drunk people act? God said he would take the foolish things of the world and confound the wise. But we in our wisdom have chosen the wisdom and presentability of of this wisdom of man to somehow be more important than what God wants to do. And I'm willing, Lord, I'm just saying it now, I'm, I will be your fool, God. I need help because I get scared and I, I value men's opinion way too much. But Lord, I'll be your fool. Just use me. Just pour out your spirit on me, God. Whatever you want to do, I want it. I don't want to reject what you want to do because I'm concerned about what it would look like to other people. Man, how messed up is that? Rejecting God because of what man thinks. And that's what a lot of people do. They've come up with whole doctrines about why this has passed away. And they can't give you one scripture. The only scripture they give you is out of 1 Corinthians that says when perfect comes, you know, it will be passed. You know, when, when the perfect comes, tongues will pass away. Well, the problem is it goes through a whole list of things that's going to pass away. It says knowledge is going to pass away. Really? That same tucked right there in 13, 1 Corinthians 13 is in the middle of 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, and it all talks about tongues and prophecy and and the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so in the middle of that, Paul's going to say that when the perfect comes, and that's talking about the Bible, that's crazy. That's people not wanting to receive the truth of God's Word because it's not palatable for them. And I don't want to do that. When God pours out its Spirit, it is messy. But you know what? These people saw the lame get up. Men 40 years old get up at the temple gate. Silver and gold I have not, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus. What do you think they had that they could give to pull that man up? It was the Holy Spirit that had been poured out. And they pulled that man up. Lord, if you got to make us fools, but you're going to raise the dead and cause people to get up, do it. I want it. So here in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, 
The Holy Spirit was poured out. But interesting enough, and this is my point here, we're going to come back to this verse and go a little deeper into this, but the, the cool part of this is preceding every move of God, there's a group of men and women who give themselves to prayer. Without fail, I believe. Now, I can't prove that every move of God, but I know scripturally that God doesn't move unless he moves first through a man and woman in prayer. I know that scripturally, just understanding the authority of man. But when you look at a lot of the revivals that have been happening through the earth, and if you've become a you know, um, student of church revivals, you'll see that incredible intercession was released in, in conjunction with, prior to and in conjunction with the moves of God, like the Welsh Revival and Azuzu Street and so many others. I mean, the, the, uh, even, even the Great Awakening and the, the First and Second Great Awakening. And you can go to any move of God and you will see intercession being released on the people. So here, you know, Acts is no... Uh, what's the word? Acts is not a... Um, I love it. Exception. Thank you. <laughs> Sometimes those little words, and they just escape your brain. Uh, when the day of Pentecost had come, you know, here's the Holy Spirit getting poured out. So you could not have Acts chapter 2 without Acts chapter 1. Acts chapters 1, verse 14. These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So you had a group of people, about 120 people, that were so committed to the purpose of God that they were gathering themselves in a house to seek God's face together and to pray. And they were there continually devoting themselves in prayer. And in that place, that's where the Holy Spirit got poured out. And I believe that's true with every move of God. And I believe it's going to be even more so with this last move of God. And I say last move. I do believe, this is my opinion. I'm not saying, thus saith the Lord. But in my opinion, we are on the verge of what I believe to be a movement that will not end. It will be the last move of God in this age. It will bring in the final harvest. And, you know... The, Jesus said the harvest is the end of the age. When he gives the parable about the harvest, and, and he, he begins to explain it, he says very clearly the harvest is the end of the age. Now, he, I, th- I believe that was the reference to the parable of the wheat and the tares. And he said the angels came, and he goes on, he tells this parable. When Jesus comes to explain it to his disciples privately, he says the harvest is the end of the age. So we know that the great harvest is the last days, right? So there's a uh, great move of God that's coming, and it's going to sweep massive amount of humanity into the kingdom. It's going to. I'm telling you, I know this. I know that 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 God is, is, is going to do something so amazing and He's going to save so many people in this last day. And it's going to be amazing. 
I believe that this, great, this will be the greatest move of God that the earth has ever seen, and it will be like the, um, you know, it's like when you watch a good movie. You, they save that best scene for last, you know what I mean? It's going to be like that. You know, history is his story. History, his story. And his story is going to end on a high note. Exclamation point. It's going to be God showing off. And I believe we're close to that. So, here's where it, it gets a little messy, but I, I'm okay with it. I, I want it. Um, earlier this year in February, I started having a... Um, um, well, me and Josh and Paul went and... Uh, we went snowboarding, and uh, and I'll just say that when I got home, I laid in bed for two days. <laughs> um, it, it beat me to a pulp. It was fun. I'm so glad I went, um, but I could hardly walk, much less move. And uh, you know, Josh, the, the, the last night we were there. Josh would hear me groan. He was sleeping in the living room on an air mattress, and I'm in this bed, and literally just to turn over or to sit up, I, it was like, ah! <laughs> and, I, and I'm in there, and I'm in there groaning. <laughs> and the next morning, at, <laughs> Josh just laughing. He said, I was laughing at you all night. <laughs> Oh, friends like that. <laughs> but the wonderful thing is about laying in bed for a couple of days is that you don't have a lot to do but pray. I mean, I guess I could have turned the TV on, but I didn't. Um, and in my praying, I began to, there's some things that had been on my heart for years that I've been hungry for. And there's a, there's a hunger that God wants to give to his people. You know, Jacob, in the scripture, you know, and I know that when I'm preaching, I'm, I'm throwing out a lot of scripture that if you don't have an understanding of certain Bible stories, you might, not be miss, you might miss it. So I apologize um, if you have questions about these stories. They can come to me afterwards, and I'll show you where you can read them. Um, but Jacob, in the Bible, it's in Genesis, um, he wrestled with God. And his name was changed to Israel. And Israel means one who strives with God and with man and overcomes. Israel literally wrestled with God. Now, let me tell you something about Jacob. Jacob was a deceiver, yes. Jacob was a little sneaky. You know, when he, he came out of the womb grabbing his brother's heel. You know, he was this guy that was not going to take no for an answer. He wanted what he wanted, and he was going to go for it till he got it. But the Scripture says that Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Well, what is it? Did God really hate Esau? No. I mean, as a matter of fact, I know that because in the book of, uh, when you look at the children of Israel coming into the promised land, God specifically told Israel not to mess with uh, um Esau's land, his children, the children of Esau, 
they had an inheritance from God that the children of Israel were not allowed to touch. So it's not that God hated really Esau, but what he was saying was Esau was the one that for a single meal sold his birthright to his brother. And what God hates is that thing in us that's so carnal and so fleshly that we would sacrifice the blessing of God for carnal fleshly fulfillment. You know, he would, he would, he would just for a meal to satisfy that flesh that was hungry, he would give up something so valuable as a birthright. And Jacob longed for that birthright so well that he was willing to do whatever it took to get it. Now, God doesn't like that he would steal and cheat, but he loves that heart that he's going to go after the blessing until he gets it. God wants that of us. Jacob, when he was found all alone, and all his family had crossed over the river, and there an angel, the angel of the Lord appeared to him, and he went and he began to wrestle with him until daybreak. And at daybreak, the angel of the Lord said, Let me go. And he says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And at that point, he asked him, what is your name? He said, who are you? And he tells him, well, I'm, I'm Jacob. Jacob means deceiver, one who grafts at the heel. He had to be honest with who he was. And in that place, God said, you will no longer be called Jacob, but be called Israel because you have striven with God and man and have overcome. There's something about that heart that you're going to grab a hold of something and not let it go. God, you can't out-wrestle God. But there was something that God loved about the heart to wrestle, that that he would come and allow Jacob to win. (laughs) And he wants us to wrestle for some things sometimes, to care enough about it that we won't let it go. If you don't believe me, look at Luke 18, look at uh, Luke 11. You know, if you continually seek, you will find. If you continually knock, the door will be open to you. Luke 18 says he'll bring about justice to his elect who cry to him day and night. There's something about persistency that the Lord is so interested. And how does that relate to this? I believe there's a, um, a hunger that God wants to supernaturally release on His people that we will not take no for an answer when it comes to the things of God. That we are so hungry for the things of God that we just will not stop wrestling with God until we gain it. And so on that day, in February, when I'm laying in bed, there, this cry was coming up to me about some things I have been seeking God for for years. And all of a sudden, I found myself in about a three-hour window where I could not stop crying. And when I mean crying, I'm talking about that ugly cry. You know, that, not that shed a tear, but like, Ah, Lord! You know? And it would not stop. And I'm not, I, I knew that was the Spirit of God coming on me. And I began to cry out for these things to get released into my life to release in the earth. And ever since then, it has been happening quite regularly that that's what you call a spirit of travail. When travail comes on you in the spirit, and I'm going to give you some scripture for this. um, 
you be, well, just turn over there. Romans 8. Let me give you biblical. Everything I'm saying has got to be girded in the Word. It has to be in the Word or it's no good. If you turn over to Romans 8, incredible passage of Scripture. Romans 8, 26. It says, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That's travail. When, 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 when you don't know quite what to say, which is pretty much all the time, God, will, God can come on you. He can come on you. I mean, it doesn't happen all the time, but He can come on you and he begins to release something so deep out of the Spirit of God that's inside your spirit. If you've been born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is there. And he, he, he begins to cry out inside of you. And there's a groaning, according to this scripture, that is too deep for words. That's what I was experiencing that day. I couldn't even put it in words. All I could do was like, God... And it was for like three hours. You can't make that thing happen. I mean, that's just not... I mean, hey, let me sign up. I think I want to just go cry and groan for three hours. I mean, that's not... <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just... I wasn't looking for it. I was just talking to my father, and the next thing I know, something was coming out of me. It was a cry deep within that was the, the Spirit of God. And I began to cry out for this thing. It's travail. And then you go down, verse 20. And he, he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, I want to suggest to you right now that a lot of times we have taken that scripture, God works all things together for good, out of context. Some people have even gone so far to say that everything that happens in life is, is uh, you know, well, God's sovereign. He'll work it out for good. I don't believe that. I don't. If you look at this verse in context, he's saying we don't know how to pray. You know, we have to pray to see God's will released in the earth. We don't know how to pray, so the Spirit helps us, and the Spirit who's helping us pray according to His will, He causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Do you see the difference? Does that make sense? It's not just like this pie in the sky, God's sovereign, and you know everything works out okay. Okay, I'm sorry that kid just got raped and mutilated and cut up, but it must have been the will of God because you know God causes all things to work together. Don't get me wrong. Can God work... Good and bad, he does every day. And he will always be working to work things out for good. Okay? And I do believe that God works all things together. For, 
He will use everything that happens and turn it around for good. But this verse is in relation to a context of us not knowing how to release His will. And so the Spirit will come on us and intercede through us in a way that causes His will to be done. And we know that His will always works out good to the best. It's a different concept. When you take the Scripture in context, it is not saying what most people make that verse say. I'm just saying If I popped a bubble, I'm sorry, but I'm just saying. That's what it says. So, you know, God will sometimes pray through us with with, um, things that are deeper than we can can even say with our our words. And I've, as of lately, this has become more and more clear to me. This, this travailing in the Spirit has been a message the Lord keeps bringing up to me over and over again. Even Justin, when he came here a few months ago, he, he talked on this, and it was really good. If you hadn't heard the message, get the podcast. But I've started doing something. I've started inviting the Holy Spirit. I said, Holy Spirit, if you want to pray anything in me, you know, through me, I give you permission to move on me in any way you want to. You can make me cry. You can whatever it does to release that power of prayer that's according to the Spirit of God. When the Spirit prays, things move. I'm just telling you, you can pray all day in the mind. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. Paul says, I pray in the Spirit and I pray in the, in, with my mind. He pray, we, we should pray like that. That's okay. But I'm just saying, when you pray under the unction of the Holy Spirit in this way, I'm telling you, mountains are moving. And I've seen the difference between going up to somebody and saying, hey, you know what? God loves you. Like, I remember I was in Puerto Rico a a month ago, and I'm in a restaurant, and the Lord speaks to me real clear that I'm supposed to share the love of God with this waitress. And um, I've went up to total strangers just out of a desire to evangelize and tell them God loves them. Oh, thanks. You know what I mean? It's just like you do it, and it's like there's no power. It doesn't seem like there's any power in it. It's just like, eh, okay. But under the unction and direction of the Holy Spirit, not trying to do this, I, wasn't, I was going there to get a good meal and then to head off to my luminescent bay where I was going to swim and do some stuff, and... I'm not trying to this, but I hear the Holy Spirit speaks to me. And I go up to this lady as we're leaving, and I said, the waitress, and I said, ma'am, I just, I'm a, I'm a pastor back in uh, the States, and I, I know the Lord wanted me to tell you how much he loves you. And she says, oh, that's weird. She's like, I'm a, I'm a, um, sorry, my mind. Not an agnostic. She says, I'm an agnostic. An agnostic is someone who may believe in God, but they don't believe God is any, has any involvement in the earth or in people's lives. He's out there in space somewhere, you know, doing something else. That's the difference between an atheist and an agnostic. Agnostics believe that there might be a God, but he's not active in our life. But an atheist does not believe in God at all. So and she's like, but I grew, you know, my, she said my parents were, you know, this is in Puerto Rico, 
She's Puerto Rican. She said, my parents were Catholics, and they made us go to church growing up every day. But, and, I, you know, and I said to her, well, you know, I'm not a Catholic. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Protestant, and I, you know, I don't necessarily, um, you know, I, I just started telling her that, you know, there's a difference between relationship and religion. And I said that I know God loves you. He told me to tell you that, and when he was dying on the cross, he was thinking of you. She just starts bawling. That's crying really hard for those that are not in the South, okay? <laughs> she was bawling. Um, and God loves you, and you're going to start crying? Only the Spirit of God touching her heart made her cry. It was not just the words. It was the words under the unction of the Holy Spirit. I spoke, and the Holy Spirit was working in conjunction with those words. That's the difference between trying to do stuff without the Spirit and doing stuff with the Spirit. Her life got touched. I felt like I went to Puerto Rico for this girl. I mean, I really did. Because that was really not a good trip. It was a hard trip. I don't know why there was such warfare going on that trip. But if it's nothing else for that one girl, because she, she got rocked for Jesus. Uh, she kept thanking me for sharing that with her. And, I mean, to see her crying right there in the middle of the restaurant, it was pretty awesome. Um, and so when we're traveling in the Spirit, it releases something that otherwise wouldn't happen. Um, there's a praying for souls that God wants to release on us. An intercession, a praying for souls for the great harvest. If we go out and we do evangelism, I, you know, God, I've done evangelism my whole life, my whole adult life. He's going to use us every time we go. But when we allow the Spirit to make a way for us to prepare the ground and the Spirit gets released, there is a, it's like Jesus saying, throw your net on the other side. It's like fishing all night and not catching anything. And then, he's, and then at the Lord's word, all of a sudden there's so much fish you don't know what to do. That's the difference between a church who prays for the harvest and works in the harvest versus a church that just tries to work in the harvest. Do you see what I mean? Um, if you turn over to Psalms 126... And I'm going to, I'm, I am getting close to closing. I'm sorry, I know we're a little bit, actually we're not that long for us, but. <laughs> Psalms 126. I'm going to be jumping around. I'm going to go to Joel 2 in a minute and then Acts 2, back to Acts 2. But I, uh, I have found myself often this, this year in my hunger that's supernatural, you know, when God moved on these movements, there was always a supernatural hunger that fell on the people that fueled a supernatural prayer life. And I do mean it's supernatural. It, it's, not, it's the Spirit of God moving on people. Not people trying to move the Spirit of God. There's a difference. It's the Spirit of God moving on His people. And there's a hunger fueled by the Spirit that releases a supernatural intercession, which then births a supernatural power to change people's lives. It's like the difference in trying to help people that are drug addicts and they can't get free, but then the Spirit, and then, and then you begin to intercede by the power of the Spirit for that person, and all of a sudden they get set free. 
all the, all the helps and all the things that weren't working, but when God's Spirit gets released, He breaks every chain. And I'm learning about this, guys. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm being honest. I'm learning about this. This is something, this has been my school of the Spirit this year. I have heard people talk about this before, but didn't, and had experienced some, but not like I have this year. There's something ratcheting up, and the Lord's teaching me something about travailing, giving myself to that prayer, because here as of late, I'll find, I can't tell you how many times Haven has to come in my office and say, are you okay, Dad? Because I'm in there praying, and the next thing I know, I can't stop crying. And she's like, what's wrong, Daddy? I'm like, I'm okay, baby. I'm okay. It's the Spirit. I can't help it. I don't like to cry in front of people. Don't want to cry in front of my kids. But I can't help it. It's the, it's that, it's the Spirit of God interceding. And I want to give myself to that. If that's how God wants to do this, then is it how God wants to do it? Well, let's look at this, Psalms 126. When the Lord brought back the captive one of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with joyful shouting. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Check this out, these next two verses. Those who sow in tears shall reap with joyful shouting. He who goes to and fro weeping, carrying his bag of seeds, shall indeed come again with a shout of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. That's a direct connection between praying in the Spirit, under the unction of the Spirit, pouring out tears brought on by the Spirit of God for souls, for change, for the power of God to get released, and releasing those tears, and then to turn around, the Lord says, in that place, if we will sow with tears, He will turn around, we will reap with joy with the harvest. Joel 2. Now, Acts 2, Peter preaches the message about to the people that thought they were drunk, and to all the people. And he quotes from Joel 2. So if you, if you turn over to verse 28, the whole, the whole chapter is good. But it says, it will, this is verse 28, Joel 2, 28. It will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will display wonders in the sky and on earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it will come about, okay, it will come about. He's telling us all these things, which Peter definitely, and I'm going to get to that, Ties to the outpouring of the Spirit. And it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be those who escape, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. This outpouring of God's Spirit that He's releasing was for the purpose of people being able to call on the name of the Lord and be saved. The Spirit's outpouring is for souls. 
Souls, souls, souls. God loves souls. There's a day coming when every person will have to give an account for their life. And they're either under the blood or they're outside of the blood. And if you're under the blood, you go in. And if you're not in the blood, if you haven't accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're going to spend eternity away from the presence of the Lord, according to Thessalonians. Eternity's forever. And God knows it's coming. And He loves these people. My heart breaks when I think about the, the, just these little kids in high school. The world that we're in. They're in bondage and darkness. That, and we got the answer. And if we will give ourselves to praying for the lost, allowing the Spirit to drop on us, God will save a generation. He wants to. He desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. He doesn't want one person going to the lake of fire. But that place is real. Lake of fire is real. It was created, the scripture says, for the devil and his angels. It wasn't meant for man. But everyone whose name is not written down in the Lamb's book of life goes to the lake of fire. People need Jesus. So if you turn over, and this is the last thing I'm going to say. I think. Acts chapter 2. I'm going to. So the Spirit gets poured out. You know, we see in Acts, verse one, Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Man, I love it when the Spirit comes and fills the house. It felt like that this morning to a large degree. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them, and they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. And then you look on down, and the, the, the noise of that scene brought all these people to where the noise was coming from because they were hearing people speaking languages from where they, were, where they came from. And, you know, they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying they are full of sweet wine. And this is the, where Peter stands up. He says, but Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Ju Judea and all who live in the Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind or all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit. And they shall prophesy, and I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall, come, it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He quotes this verse out of Joel. And he's talking about the Spirit being released to draw men to himself. 
And I believe that is the only way that we can see, and I believe the book of Joel and the book of Acts, as Peter interprets the Bible for us, it's the outpouring of God's Spirit on us that releases harvest, releases men into the kingdom. And I believe here's the, here's the practical invitation for us. You know, as I said, those who sow in tears will reap in joy. You know, the man going along with his Johnny Appleseed, going along weeping with his bag of seeds, and he's... I've invited the Lord into my prayer life, and I've asked Him to help me pray. Like, Lord, help me pray. Help me pray in a way that I've never prayed before. Lord, Holy Spirit, come on me and do whatever you want, but intercede through me to see these people come to know you. Lord, open up doors that couldn't be opened, Lord, through my prayers. Holy Spirit, pray your will according to Romans 8. And what I have found as I've been doing that is I find myself weeping when I pray. That's just what I found. And I believe there's a release of, of power that's coming from that according to these scriptures. Now, you can't make this kind of stuff up. I'm, like, I'm not like telling you all to go grab some onions and start putting them in your shirt or something as you pray. You know what I mean? It's not, it's, I'm not talking about that at all. You can't make this happen. Don't even try. All I'm saying is invite God. Invite the Holy Spirit into your prayer life. Holy Spirit, give him permission because he's a gentleman. If you don't want him, he won't, he won't you know, he's not going to go against your will. So I just wanted to give us an opportunity as a church family just to invite the Lord in if you're interested in this. I believe, I know the Lord even yesterday was speaking to me that he wants to release tears for souls. You know, the Lord cries for souls. And He wants us to share in His tears. He wants us to share in His tears. And that's, a, that's an invitation. And I do believe the Holy Spirit has given us all an invitation to, if we want to partner with Him, to feel His burden, to feel the, the heartbreak of God over the lost, to invite Him in today to do that. And you'll find yourself feeling His pain. And you'll be praying out of that place of the Spirit. And it will release a work in the earth. And you'll see your family come to the Lord. You'll see your friends come to the Lord. You'll see your spouse come to the Lord. You'll see power get released. Praying under the unction of the Spirit is a whole different deal. And I just want to invite you to invite Him. So if you're interested in, in that, I'm just going to take a second. I'm not going to try to make you stand up or do anything like that. I'm just going to take a second, and, I, and, and I'm, going to get, I'm going to shut up. And I just want us to have a moment of silence, and just, if, if you want that, invite the Lord in. When I started inviting the Lord into this, you know, it wasn't like it happened right away. It was, um, he, would, he was Jehovah Sneaky. He would sneak up on me when I least expected it, driving down the road or, you know, and all of a sudden it would just hit me and I would just begin to cry out for whatever was on the Lord's heart. 
but I'm convinced it was, it's been happening so much that I've become convinced it's because I've been inviting him over and over again, not just like a one-time thing, but I'm like, Lord, I'm here. I want to pray what's on your heart. I want you to pray through me. And so as we invite the Lord, it's not, we can't make it happen. I, well, I don't, I'm not, you know, it's not even about that. It, it, the Holy Spirit has to do it, but there's something about giving Him freedom, making Him feel welcome that allows for that to come. And so I'm going to encourage you guys through the week, keep asking the Lord for the tears for souls. Ask for tears for souls. I've been doing this, and my kids think I'm crazy. <laughs> they, I mean, they know. They know what it is. It's the Spirit. But I'll be talking about something, or we'll be praying as a family or whatever, and all of a sudden the tears just start coming. And that's not natural. That's, uh, yeah. But it is biblical. Those who sow in tears will reap in joy. So the Holy Spirit wants to be poured out on you. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, He wants to fill you afresh. If you would like to receive prayer from the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just come up front and sit down on this chair. We'll have some people pray for you. If, um, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you don't know where you're going when you die, you know, hell is a real place. It's a real place. Jesus wouldn't have suffered like he did on that cross for nothing. He died on the cross because he loves us, and he wanted to deliver us from a place that was created for the devil and his angels. He loves us. But if you don't allow Jesus into your life, if you don't accept him as your Savior, and whether you're on you know, the YouTube or, or whatever, or, or you're here, if you've never accepted Jesus, he, he wants you to know Him. He wants you to go to heaven when you die. And I can promise you, you don't want to miss that train. You don't. So Holy Spirit, please draw everyone in this room that doesn't know you. Never have received a born-again experience where they have believed in their heart and confessed there with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. If they've never surrendered to Him, Lord, Holy Spirit, help them today. Draw them, convict them, because you love them and you don't want them to miss the train. Lord, begin to save people. God, I'm asking that you would begin to save people. You would begin to do something that we can't do. That you would reach people, Lord. I ask that your presence would come so intensely on this place that for just, Lord, all around this building, people walk by and they get under conviction and they just got to get right with you. Lord, I ask that your presence would be so heavy on us that when we go out to lunch today, that someone, people just get convicted and they say, Lord, what must I do to be saved? Lord, let there be an anointing that rests on your people by the Holy Spirit to draw men to you. Do what we can't do in our weakness, Lord. Save people. Break our heart, Lord, for these people who are dying and entering into eternity. And there's no, it's, there's no more hope, Lord, in hell. There's no hope. It's gone. I don't, and you desire all men to not go there, but to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Lord, I'm asking for you to put a burden on us 
for what burdens you. Burden us, Lord. Burden us, Lord. Wake us up in the middle of the night with a burden. Wake us up, Lord. Father, when we're driving down the road, pray through us. Let that burden be felt. We want to share your burden and your love for the lost. I'm volunteering, Lord. I want to co-labor with you in this. And I'm asking that you help these people to co-labor with you in this, Lord. If you don't know Jesus, he wants you to know him. Come and talk to us if you don't know him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord.